Hello and welcome to the LifeGate Free Will Baptist Podcast. We are so glad you could join us today. Our aim is to connect with others and share the good news of the gospel, that God loves us, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, and that anyone can have eternal life through trusting in him alone. The main passage used today is from Matthew chapter 1. Now, let's join Pastor Jason for a sermon on Christmas Essentials. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So if you want to take your Bible this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 1. uh, is where we're going to be uh, in our service today. And I want to speak to you on the subject of Christmas Essentials. There's a lot of stuff that we see in our world today that's not necessarily we would deem essential uh, for Christmas, for sure. And we've probably heard that word essential a lot lately this year, uh, you know. And 2020 uh, has been a strange year anyway. And, you know, uh, we had at one point you couldn't go to work unless it, you were quote-unquote essential. Now, my argument was always if, uh, if you need money to put food on the table, your, your job's essential. I mean, I don't care what you do. To you, it's essential. But anyway... Um, this morning, I want to speak to us on the subject of Christmas essentials, and uh, we see some things that, that are essential, and how do, the Christmas story is just a, an amazing story that nobody could come up with except God. You know, how does God become man, or why would he become man? Why would God want to become man and live among his very people he created? And, uh, but he did, and we thank God for it, and it's the most uh, wonderful time of the year, and it's the most thankful time of the year that we should be thankful. So I'm going to read 18 through 25. If you're in Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. That uh, is a a physical coming together there, not just necessarily the, uh, they were engaged per se, but they didn't come together physically. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to put her away, I'm sorry, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. That means he was going to divorce her. He had made his mind up that, you know, this this was worthy of divorce, and he was going to not make a public example out of her, not, you know, have her stoned or anything, but he was going to do it privately. And the Bible says here he's a just man, Joseph was. He was wanting to do it right. But in verse 20, and I'm glad God intervened, aren't you? But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. By the way, if I was in Joseph's situation, it would have to be somebody that was divine to tell me that before I actually believed it. But anyway, he did believe it, and God did tell him that. And so, verse 21, it says, and she, shall bring, he, uh, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken of the, of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall conceive. I'm sorry, let me see. A virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted, God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn child. 
and uh, I've messed up on Facebook. I'm trying to do two tasks at once here, and I didn't do the, the slides like I should have. But uh, at any rate, you heard the scripture anyway, and so we're going to speak to you this morning about Christmas essentials. And I want to ask you, I will give you a story in starting off here, and hopefully you recognize that passage in verse 23 um, about uh, the virgin being born, and that's where we were last week. We were in Isaiah 7, 14 last week, and that's the very passage it talks about, uh, that prophecy being fulfilled. Now this morning I want to speak to you uh, on Christmas essentials. It was essential for Joseph to be able to know the truth. And it's essential in our world today for people to be able to know the truth about Christmas. Joseph's life would never be the same from that moment that he received the news uh, of, from the angel that night in a dream. Now, God didn't speak to us in dreams tonight. We've kind of been over this before. But, you know, God is speaking to us through his word, through the Holy Spirit. And uh, we read the word of God and God speaks to us directly from the word through the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, but back then, before the canon of scripture was finished, God spoke to people uh, through dreams, and uh, that's uh, no longer the case. But uh, we have an account here of God doing that, and God did speak to Joseph, and thank God he did. But I want to bring a, a, a Christmas time as a, a time where we kind of do stuff that we do, don't do any other time of the year. There are some radio stations on my dial that I'll put in at Christmas time. I wouldn't dare put in any other time. Because at Christmas time, all they play is Christmas music, like the old Christmas music. Now, I don't know what they play during the year, but it's not Christmas music, all right? And, you know, you found those stations too. And there are some things, the traditions you have in your family, some I have in mind that we do around Christmas time. And one of the things that we try to do every Christmas, and, you know, our kids, you know, we, we've kind of gotten into it, especially as we've gotten uh, small kids, that we watch The Grinch Stole Christmas every year. I mean, I don't know what yours is every year, but some people watch movies, and my wife and I uh, used to watch a lot of black and white movies uh, at Christmas time, Christmas movies. And we wouldn't watch them any other time of the year, but we would watch them at Christmas time. Maybe you do the same thing. I want to mention the a, a name of a, a movie this morning. It's called It's a Wonderful Life. If you've ever seen that movie, it's, it's you know, black and white, it's old, and uh, they may have a new rendition of it, I'm not sure. But anyway, if, uh, if, if you're a young person, you've never heard of that uh, movie before, you're going to have to do some research, I guess, and look it up. But it's called It's a Wonderful Life. And those of you that have seen it before, uh, there's, you'll probably remember uh, Jimmy Stewart plays the character named George Bailey. George Bailey had a, a, a business, or his dad had the business, and he had aspirations as he got you know, into his uh, late teens and early 20s. And he had ambitions of, of greatness, of doing great things and traveling all over the place. And, but he was stuck running the old family business called the Bailey Building and Loan Company because his dad suddenly passed away and he was next in line. So he kind of got that thrown on him. And so he was managing this business that was struggling. The business never really made much money. But it did help a bunch of hard, or many hardworking people and hardworking families achieve their dreams of owning a home because he would loan them money where the bank wouldn't. And that's kind of how the movie went. When the stock market crashed in, in uh, October 20 of 1929, the Bailey Building and Loan barely survived. And they were struggling to make ends meet and they were struggling to stay afloat. And in the movie, they have a, you know, an arch, you always have to have a bad guy. And there was some bad guy there that had plenty of money. He was, uh, kind of taking advantage of people, and, and uh, you just have to watch the movie and find out. The real crisis occurred, however, when George Bailey's uh, absent-minded uncle 
took to the bank. He was supposed to do a deposit in the bank. You guys have seen the movie before. He had it in like a sandwich bag or something. I think he actually had a sandwich in the other hand. And he was just, you know, being merry about Christmas or whatever. And he was eating his sandwich. And he ended up leaving the bag of money, $8,000, on the counter. And their arch enemy or whatever, the guy that was trying to take advantage of people, found it. And he hid it. And he didn't give it back to him. And so when they made the... the the discovery there in the movie, knowing that he would be ruined and he would probably go to jail for embezzling or, you know, just losing, not having, being able to give these people their money back, George Bailey, the character, uh, decided that he was worth more dead than he would be alive. And he just had enough, and he didn't like his life. So he made, he went to, made his way to a bridge in town, and he was sitting there in the movie scene. You see down from the bridge, he's looking down at this icy water below. It had big hunks of ice floating in it, and he was contemplating suicide. And he was going to jump and, you know, fall into the water and go in the shock and die. And that's what he, his plan was. And before he could do that, somebody jumped in. I think the movie above him jumped in before he did. And he saw somebody else beat him to the punch. And this other man jumped in ahead of him into the water. So George Bailey ran around to the bank and helped get him out of the water and actually saved this man's life. And they went to some little shack or something on the side of the river, and they were sitting there warming this guy up by the fire that had jumped in. The guy that jumped in was named Clarence. And in the movie, he's, you know, it's, it's a story, okay? Um, he's an angel. He's supposed to be, you know, getting his wings. And as he's sitting there drying off, he, George tells Clarence or declares to Clarence that he wishes that he had never been born. He wishes he had never been put in this situation with owning this business. He wished he could be able to travel the world. And, and at that time, he wasn't really fond of his wife or kids. And Clarence uh, told him that he was an angel, and he showed George what the world would look like if he really had never been born. And throughout the rest of the movie... George Bailey discovers that he had actually, you know, things were different. His wife was married to somebody else. He didn't have his kids. He didn't, you know, his brothers didn't have another brother. His, you know, it just, his father never had him. The, the business went out of, you know, went under or whatever because he wasn't there. And the movie goes on and on. This shows him that he actually, as the movie title implies, that he actually lived a pretty wonderful life. When he realized how, how much he had impacted his, he had a, a pretty significant impact or a big impact on his family, on his friends, on all these people that had loaned money from that, that bought, borrowed money from him to build a house. And the whole community looked up to George Bailey. And he realized this by the end of the movie, I think he comes down and pulls that knob off. If you've ever seen it, he pulls that knob off the top of the handrail every time he goes down. It always made him fiery mad. And he does it at the end. He's glad it happened because he's back. But the movie points out a bold difference, an impact of a one single person can make. George Bailey, by the end of that movie, he was convinced he had made a pretty good impact and life really was worth living. Now, that's a fictitious story this morning, but if I were to ask you this morning, who is the person, if we were to entertain the question, who is the most influential person that has ever lived? Hands down, no doubt, it would be the person of Jesus Christ. There's nobody that has influenced world, the world any more than this one man has entered, that, that entered the world that night on that Christmas night, that entered the world as a baby. Nobody has impacted more people for eternity than the person of Jesus Christ. No doubt it would be Jesus. But I want to ask you this question this morning. What if Jesus had not come? What if Jesus had never been born? What if Joseph would have divorced Mary? Now, I know we're going through a lot of what ifs this morning. I don't want to get off into the weeds too much. But I do want to bring you back to this, that one of the things that stand out tremendously in that movie 
that if you watch it about uh, this wonderful life, that man was extremely thankful for what he took for granted his whole life after that movie. He was extremely thankful just to be alive and to be able to celebrate and to be able to be with his family. And, and the very simple things that we take for granted every day, he just was extremely thankful for. And I want to point out a couple of them about Jesus this morning. If Jesus had not been born, we wouldn't have the virgin birth. We wouldn't have the Christmas tree. We wouldn't have a church service like this. In fact, we wouldn't even have any churches. There would be no people called Christians because the Bible says in the New Testament that they were called Christians first in Antioch. So nobody would be called a Christian. <coughs> There wouldn't have been any wise men coming from the east. There wouldn't have been any Christianity. We would still be practicing all the Old Testament stuff. Can you imagine, I don't know if America would even be here today, but the impact that Christianity has had on America has been profound. The impact that the New Testament has had on America has been profound, especially in the founding of it. Our documents that we hold dear today of the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all those things were very heavily impacted by the New Testament. Think about it. If Jesus had never been born, think of all the hospitals and, and you know, colleges. Uh, most of the big colleges you have here today in America were started as Christian colleges. Now, they're a far cry from that now, but they were started that way. We wouldn't have them. We wouldn't have a lot of the hospitals that were started by nonprofits. We wouldn't have all these Christian ministries if Jesus had never come. Can you imagine how much uh, decay and sin and all the things that, that have been held back by all the Christians that have lived down through the centuries? That would not be there. The world would be a very dark and different place if Jesus had not come. And my point is not just to tell us stuff we already know this morning. My point is to tell us we need to not take God's coming and the Christmas story for granted. It means to make us extremely thankful for where we are. I don't know where you would be this morning. I don't know where I would be this morning if Jesus had not come. But I can promise you we would not be here. God initiated Jesus' coming. He set it forward. It's not like we were so good, God just had to get in on it. It's not like God was just making an investment strategy. You know, these guys are doing so good, I'm just going to go sweep in here and take credit for it. That's not what Jesus did at all. In fact, the very opposite is true, that we were not doing well. We were not doing good. And Jesus came for a specific reason. That specific reason is to bring hope in a time of darkness, help in a time of need. God has done everything for us in sending Jesus to us, the greatest gift. You say, well, Jesus has never done anything for me. I can promise you Jesus has done something for you. And God sending Jesus down here on earth, he's given you the opportunity to be born in a Christian-influenced nation. He has given you the opportunity to be around people that have known Jesus and have been salt and light in your life. And God gives you the opportunity to know him personally uh, through the person of Jesus Christ. You couldn't just approach God any, other, any old way in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ broke down the middle veil between the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place so we can come directly to God by and through Jesus Christ. If Jesus had not come, let me give you three points real quick and I'll finish this morning. And the first one is that we, if Jesus had not come, if Christmas did not happen, we would only have a partial view of God and who God is. If you were to take the entire New Testament and get rid of it, because that's, that's when it starts, we wouldn't have that. And so we would only have a partial view of who God is. If, if, Joseph, if God had not intervened in verse 19, Joseph would have misunderstood what God was doing. He would have did the wrong thing. He would have divorced Mary. He would have messed things all up. But God did intervene. We would only have the Old Testament, and we would not fully understand God. 
All the rituals, all the sacrifices that we don't do today, we would still be doing those. In fact, we would probably not have uh, the influence because God spoke mainly to the Jewish people, mainly to the Hebrews and the Jewish people. Uh, down through this, he, he, of course, other people could could join. You know, the the children of Israel back in the Old Testament, they could come along with them. And you know, he said, you know, don't turn the stranger away because you were strangers in Egypt. So people could join them and become Jews or whatever. But we didn't have a full picture of God, a, a clear picture of God. And we can look back at the Old Testament and we can see God and see the sacrifices. We can see how God intervened, you know, interacted with people. But it was very rigid. Only one person could go to God one time a year with the sins of the people. And that was the high priest. He could go in one time a year and he could make atonement for sin for everybody that was there in the nation of Israel at that time. But this is why we don't do this stuff today because Jesus came. We would still be under the Old Testament. We would be in darkness. We would be in cloudiness. And it just wouldn't make sense. We would only have a partial view of God. We wouldn't be going here. The second point is we would not understand very much at all about the Old Testament. You see, without the New Testament, the fulfillment of the Old Testament, we would be just like the people in the Old Testament. They had a, a, not, not a clouded vision, but it was kind of blurry. You knew God was going to come at some point, but you don't know when. Kind of like we look forward to the second coming of Christ now. We know God is coming back, and God, the Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus one day will set his feet back on the Mount of Olives. He will return. The rapture will happen before that but we don't know when. I don't care who you talk to or how scholarly, scholarly they are, we don't know all the details. But after it happens, like the first coming of Christ has happened, we can look back on it like we do today, and we can see and understand and know all the details. That we wouldn't understand the Old Testament. All, all the Old Testament prophecies would remain blurry and obscure that pertain to Jesus Christ's first coming. You know, you could read Micah 5, 2, and say, well, something's going to happen in Jerusalem. We just don't know when or where or what. The wise men, you know, they didn't know all this stuff. They couldn't connect all the dots, and they were as smart as anybody around. The, the Jewish people didn't connect the dots. They didn't come to Jesus' first birth. It was blurry. They didn't understand a lot of it. Jesus is in the Old Testament. He appears several times in the Old Testament. Jesus has come weaved in and out of all the pages of the Bible, but Jesus appears personally in the Old Testament several times. And, you know, give you about a $4 word here called a Christophany. It's Jesus Christ appearing, a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Abraham talked to him face to face before Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Several other times Jesus showed himself to people in the Old Testament. And they, who did they see when they saw God? They saw Jesus. So Jesus has always been. He just didn't appear at Christmas time. But all these people in the Old Testament, are. we can look back now and see pictures of these people being who Jesus is. Abraham uh, was a picture of Christ or a type of Christ, T-Y-P-E, type of Christ. We look back at Abraham. Abraham walks with God and starts to show the rest of the world who God is. This is exactly what Jesus does. He came, he, he starts showing people the, the rest of the world who God is. He's a, uh, Abraham is a type of Christ. Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50 is a type of Christ. He's a picture of who Christ is in the Old Testament. And we wouldn't know this if we didn't have the New Testament. And God sends Joseph through some Unorthodox means he sends Joseph all the way to Egypt to be the salvation for his family when the plague came. God had prearranged him to go forward and be the salvation of the rest of his family. 
And, of course, we can identify with Jesus coming down from heaven to earth to be born as a babe in Bethlehem and to live a sinless life and to die uh, a substitutionary death to be the salvation for anybody that will believe. And we just wouldn't have this if we didn't have the New Testament, if Jesus had not been born. Moses is also a picture uh, you know, you remember Moses bringing all the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was a picture of Christ as being the salvation to, that frees the Hebrews from the bondage of slavery. And my friend, Jesus Christ is the only person today that can free you from the bondage of sin and the slavery of sin and the, the, the slavery of vice today. All these are pictures in the Old Testament we just wouldn't understand if God had not been born in a babe, as a babe in Bethlehem in a manger. My, how weird the world would be if Jesus had not come. We would still be killing lambs today, or they would still be killing lambs today. You and I might be in some pagan religion. It's hard to tell what. But God did come, and God did show himself, and thank God he did. The point of the sermon this morning is not to help us try to connect all the dots, but for, to help us to be thankful for what God has done. Let me give you the third point, and I'll quit with this. This is kind of where I wanted to get to anyway this morning is if Jesus had not come, we would not have salvation. You say, well, some people went to heaven in the Old Testament. Yes, they did. And just like in the, Old Te the New Testament now, we look back to uh, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, and by faith we trust in him as our personal Lord and Savior, and that's how we're saved. In the Old Testament, they would look forward to what God is going to do. They didn't know when he was going to do it, but they looked forward to the sac and then all these sacrifices were a picture of what Jesus was going to do. And they trusted God's word, and they trusted what God told them, and they tried to live a sinless life, and they would have the, the sacrifices every year to atone for their sin. And they were doing that, and they were saved because they, by faith they believed that God would send a Savior one day. If Jesus had, would not have come, if he had stayed in heaven, if he did not come to where we are, there would be no salvation because he is the fulfillment of all the requirements for sacrifice for our sin how could God become man he had to become man to have a human nature he had to remain God to remain sinless and when God God can't die he's immortal so becoming human he was able to die and he was also uh, remain God and so when he died Jesus Christ died for your sins and my sins forever not that he dies every day or anything but he died once to pay for your sin for my sin he is the, he's the only one that can fulfill the requirements of the sacrifice for our sin. Let me give you a verse here in Hebrews. Write this down in the margin of your Bible or, or your notes or something. This is talking about uh, the Old Testament sacrifices and Jesus fulfilling it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not, very, not the very image of the things, can never, with those sacrifices which are offered year by year continually, Make the comers thereunto perfect. In other words, the sacrifices they were, not, they were doing every year could never save them. It goes down a little bit further in verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Every year the high priest would go before the Holy of Holies, before the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and he would sacrifice the lamb. He would sprinkle the blood on that uh, mercy seat signifying that God had atoned for the sins of those people that year. And what God was doing, he was pushing it back. He was delaying judgment is what was happening. God would delay judgment this year and delay judgment another year all the way down to the time when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross and Jesus ultimately paid for your sin for my sin. This is why we don't kill lambs anymore. This is why we don't do the sacrifices anymore. Verse number 10, Hebrews 10.4 says, 
For it is impossible, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take any sin away. If you go down a little bit further in that chapter, chapter uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, by the which will uh, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest stands daily ministering, offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, verse 12, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Of course, that person they're talking about in Hebrews is, in fact, Jesus. Jesus is that final sacrifice. He is the purpose in which we celebrate Christmas today. He's the only reason we have salvation today. If Jesus would not have come as a babe in a manger, there are not some other ways to heaven. There are not a, he's not just a way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. You can't just go through some other cult or some other religion and say, well, I'll get to heaven this way or that way. My friend, it doesn't work that way. The only way that you can get to heaven, the Bible tells us, there's only one way, and that person is the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only reason that you and I can have a personal relationship with God. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't do enough. You can't spend enough. But just simply acknowledge that Jesus Christ came as a babe in a manger. And we can experience Christmas all over again. And my house should make us so thankful that I, I, there's nothing in me that's worthy to save. You know, if I were God and the roles were reversed, you know, and Jason Weaver come to get saved as a 16-year-old boy, I'm not sure I would have accepted him because I know what he would have probably done after he got saved. And God, he knows everything. He could say, well, Jason, you're going to do this, this, and this year. You're going to do this, this year. In fact, you don't have a year where you don't do something bad. You don't have a month where you don't sin. I don't think you're worth saving. He would have been justified in saying that. But God didn't say that. He said, thank God for Romans 5, 8, in the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us anyway. God said, I know you're not perfect. I know you're going to sin after you uh, accept me as your Savior, but I'm going to save you anyway. He's the only one we can come to to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ the Father. Through Jesus Christ to have a relationship with the Father. Jesus coming changes everything. Jesus coming and stepping out into time and space, the reason we have the entire New Testament. Can you imagine how dull life would be without the New Testament? How, much, how many verses we can pin on our wall and put every word that we have from the New Testament if Jesus had not come? Thank God for Jesus coming. Amen? Let me end with a story and I'll ask you a question and we'll be done. This comes from, uh, actually our daily breads where it comes from a long time ago. 1991 is the story. It, it come originally from um, a, a Danish theologian, he told a story. He told a, a story of a prince, and the king sent the prince across the, the kingdom one day to, to do some errands on the other side or whatever, and as he was traveling through some of the poorest part of the kingdom, um, he looked down one of the streets, and he saw a peasant girl there. And it's, it's not a Cinderella story, but it's something like that. You know, He saw this girl, and he, he kind of just, it was like love at first sight. He was interested in this young maid. She was working. She was doing a shop or something. And uh, he, he watched her that day and several other times throughout the week when he was traveling throughout the kingdom, he made sure he would go by that way on his route. Even if it was out of the way, he would go by that direction just to see this young girl. And being a prince himself, one day he wanted to, uh, to have a wife and that time was upon him. And he was trying to think she was going to be the one. He had set in his mind that she was the one he was supposed to marry. And he was trying to think how to propose to her. 
And this young prince says, well, if I, if I ride up to her house in her little cottage or whatever, and I have you know, six white horses in my best carriage, and I'm decked out in my best stuff, my royal attire, I can go there and ask her hand in marriage. Of course, she's going to say yes. I mean, I can order her to marry me if I have to. I mean, he had that kind of jurisdiction, but he thought within himself, if I do that, I will never really know if she loves me or she just loves all the stuff. And he, as he thought a little bit further, he was thinking, you know, what can I do to seek this woman's hand? To know that she really loves me for who I am. So the prince come up with another solution after thinking over it for a couple of months. And he had an idea. He gave up his kingly robe. He, took all, he changed all his garments. And he moved into the same neighborhood, the same village, part of the village where this woman lived. This young maid lived. And he took his crown and put it away. He put on the robe of a, a, a peasant. He lived among the people. He shared their interests, their concerns. He got to know them. He talked their talk. He went where they went. He did what they did. And in time, the maid, as he grew closer, closer to her, and she noticed him as he's been noticing her, and eventually she fell in love with him, not for what he had, but because he loved her first. My friend, what a picture of what Jesus does for us. Jesus doesn't take us by the back of the shirt. He doesn't just take and uh, go to the uh, abyss of hell and just rake us over the, so we can see down in the pit of hell and say, look, son, you better get things right. That's where you're going. God didn't do that because everybody would flood the altars all over America and say, I don't want to go to that awful place. I want to get saved. But do you really love Jesus? Neither does Jesus take us and go to the splendor of heaven and walk us up and down the halls of the splendor of heaven and show us all that we will have there and all that is there and how good we'll feel and how good we'll look, amen, and how good we'll, everything will be. Because we will get back to earth and we would look for ways to end our life prematurely. And we would look for ways to get to that wonderful place that we had a taste of. And we wouldn't even worry about this life at all. No, God doesn't do that because... You might only just accept him just so you can have all the stuff. Or just so you can avoid a place called hell. God's not after that this morning. It's more than that. God wants a relationship with us. God wants a relationship where you love him because he first loved us. He wants a relationship with us that impacts our life, that changes who we are. And we'll get all the other stuff in the grandeur of heaven or whatever, but it revolves around a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth not so he could boast about what he had or what he did. He came as a lowly servant, a lowly peasant. Lived a poor and rough life. Died a substitutionary death. So you and I can know him, know who he is, and know how much God loves us. When we see Christmas and we see the, all the stuff that goes around Christmas, we must see how much God loves us. That He would give us all of this. He would sacrifice Himself for you and for me. Let me ask you a question this morning. What impact has the birth of Jesus Christ made on your life personally? If the Christmas had never happened, would you be a different person than you are right now? I'm talking about, is, does, has Christmas made a difference in your life and in mine? If you're living the exact same way you were before you even knew who Jesus was, something's very wrong. But my friend, if you have seen a change, if you have seen, because of the birth of Jesus Christ, your life is it, 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 completely different. You're going a completely different direction than you were before you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. My friend, you were on the right track. 
And we must love him, appreciate him. And the point of my message this morning is not for us to, you know, boo-hoo over this or that, but to be appreciative of what God has done for us. It's a time of reflection. It's a time when we look at Christmas and just thank God. I just can't thank God enough for saving my soul. I can't thank God enough for coming as a baby in the manger. This morning, I pray that God has spoken to your heart about something in your life and in my life. We can be thankful for God coming. And thankful for what Jesus has done through the Christmas story. I love the Christmas story and all that, that goes along with it. You probably do too. This year, let's be thankful and may our lives be different because of the Christmas, of Jesus of Christmas. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for taking time to listen today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with your loved ones. Additionally, you can contact us by using the information provided in this episode's description. We hope that you'll visit us again soon. May God bless you.